This is Choni's Circle. I'm Tamara Lubicki. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose. And on Choni's Circle, we are going to explore Jewish texts from the Torah through the Talmud and lots of traditional commentaries to grapple with climate change to help us process our emotions about climate change and about this particular moment um, and to help us try to make sense of the world that we find ourselves in. Today we're going to look at Psalm 147, or rather about the first half of Psalm 147, which is a part of that section of Psalms that we recite in the liturgy every morning. Hallelujah. It is good to chant hymns to our God. It is pleasant to sing glorious praise. The Lord rebuilds Jerusalem. God gathers in the exiles of Israel. God heals their broken hearts and binds up their wounds. God reckoned the number of the stars. To each God gave its name. Great is our Lord and full of power. God's wisdom is beyond reckoning. The Lord gives courage to the lowly and brings the wicked down to the dust. Sing to the Lord a song of praise. Chant a hymn with a lyre to our Lord, who covers the heavens with clouds, provides rain for the earth, makes mountains put forth grass, who gives the beasts their food, to the ravens brood what they cry for. God does not prize the strength of horses, nor value the fleetness of men, but the Lord values those who fear God, those who depend on God's faithful care. Yeah, so... I guess when I saw this psalm and when I was thinking of it in the context of like our relationship with climate change and what stood out to me is both the like second and third verse, this idea of rebuilding Jerusalem and gathering the exiles, but then God healing their broken hearts and binding up their wounds. And I think that's a recurring theme in Psalms, which makes the book so powerful and so widely used in different circumstances, is that it often does speak to despair. Mm -hmm. And it speaks to people going through very hard times and what is the comfort that they can get from these words. So this idea of exile or the destruction of Jerusalem, which Maybe to go on a tangent, like, this is supposed to be written by King David, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who, Mm -hmm. like, hardly even built Jerusalem, (laughs) right? (laughs) So that's interesting to start out with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I am certainly by no means an expert in sort of the history of the Psalms or different textual layers or anything like that. But I think if we're, you know, sort of symbolically attributing it to King David— then perhaps it's actually like the original building of Jerusalem, right? Mm. As opposed to as opposed to any of the several later rebuildings, right? Because it just says "Bone Yerushalayim," yeah, builds Jerusalem. It doesn't actually literally say "rebuilds Jerusalem." Yeah, right, right. We're so we're so primed to see that as rebuild, right? But again, I'm really not an expert in sort of the different historical time periods that you know, looking at a source critical way, the Book of Psalms might be coming out of. Okay, so sorry to go on that tangent, but this like brokenheartedness, the shvore lave, 
is in here. Yeah. And then what struck me is like the very next verse is God reckoned the number of stars to each God gave its name. And I think that is a really powerful image. And when I read that, I imagine like a person in despair looking up to the stars mm-hmm. and being struck by the awesomeness of that and getting some kind of comfort from that feeling of awe. Yeah. And I think there's a really beautiful dance here between sort of the personal and the specific and the more broad and general and global. So Right, calling God Lev, the one who heals the brokenhearted. So first of all, I think that is just like one of the most like beautiful like names and descriptors of God. But that sounds like a really personal God who is invested in each of us and our pain and providing healing. And in some ways, kind of similar to the idea that God counts and gives names to each of the stars, right? There's like a kind of personal attention that each one matters and has significance that, especially when we're in pain, might be something that we're looking forward to, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. I matter and I also have significance. And at the same time, like you mentioned sort of with the stars, it's also a reminder in some ways of how small we are. And that there are some things like the night sky full of stars that are so much bigger than we are. And that can be a source of comfort too, right? Like I think there's the comfort that we derive from like, yes, like I as an individual matter um, Mm. and God cares about me personally. And also, wow, I am part of something so big. And actually like maybe my problems are not quite as big as I imagined after all. Right. Or just, uh, yeah, just even without words, the vastness Feeling that vastness can sometimes, I think, take away sorrow. Yeah. In a beautiful and, I feel, somewhat mysterious way. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed there are some other descriptions of vastness in here. Who covers the heavens with clouds? So this idea of, like, looking up to the sky and seeing a beautiful cloudscape. And then makes mountains put forth grass. So, again, like... I feel like you can sometimes get that same feeling looking at these mountainscapes, which we are blessed with in Seattle. Absolutely. Um, no, I think that's right. It's worth naming, too. So actually, verses 7 and 8 here are painted in the mural on the ceiling at Beth Shalom. Mm. And that decision was made long before long before I arrived here. Right? I don't really know any of sort of the history there. But... I think part of what makes those particularly appropriate verses for sort of being prominently displayed in a place of communal prayer is that they link the act of singing praise and gratitude with God's power in the natural world, right? Mm -hmm. This praise and gratitude and song being a response to the God who covers the sky with clouds and provides rain for the earth and causes grass to grow on the mountains. And for for folks who have not seen this mural in the Beth Shalom Sanctuary, right, the imagery is rain and clouds and mountains um, really sort of echoes Mostly the Pacific Northwest, with also some elements from the land of Israel thrown in there, too. 
but I love actually the the reading of those things together. Like I think sometimes when we're together indoors, engaged in communal prayer in a way that can sometimes feel a little bit removed from the natural world, that I think can give us a powerful way of tapping into that awe that you mentioned at the vastness, right? Like the world doesn't necessarily always seem so vast when we're sitting like literally in an enclosed room. And this is perhaps a reminder to us of the of the comfort that can come from feeling that awe of being a small piece that's part of something so vast. Yeah, and we are recording this right after Shavuot, and you gave a really, I think it was you, (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong, gave a beautiful drash on a poem that we read right before the Ten Commandments. Oh, I did do that on Akdamut. (laughs) Yeah, and you were talking about the poetry of how the writer talks about like the ink being the sea and there's this connection that he's trying to make between the written word and I I believe like the awe in nature but doing it in a really creative way where actually like the writing and the ink becomes the nature yeah and I think it's a really worthy pursuit to make that connection stronger. I mean, it's obviously right there, but do we use our imagination and like really feel into that connection between our liturgy, our act of singing, and the nature and the natural world? Yeah. I think that that is a big and important challenge. And I think as over the course of history, right, we have like lived at greater and greater distance from the natural world in a lot of ways, that task only becomes harder. I recently learned actually how to write with a quill. And there's fundamentally something really different about picking up a feather, Mm. right, that like was once part of an animal's body and like dipping that in liquid ink. Than like, you know, picking up this pen that's like, I don't know, made out of plastic and some metal and I don't know anything about where it came from. Right. Right. And as we use now, there's something different also about engaging with a safer Torah, right, where you Mm -hmm. know that like the parchment and the wood, right, like it all comes from the natural world versus like holding up like a mass produced Sidur. Those feel a little bit different. So I think it's an important task. How do we link those worlds of our prayers and our liturgy and like the physical experience of being in services together with that connection to the natural world and the awe that it can inspire. Right. And I think we feel brokenhearted for many reasons. Um, But one reason that we talk about in this podcast is um, the sadness of climate change, the sadness of the disappearance of species, the agriculture that people rely on and people having to migrate because of that, just like a lot of despair and brokenheartedness in reaction to the changes that are happening in our world. And I think being able to go out into nature and to really experience this awe can have really healing properties and to do that continuously. And I think that's one thing, but we're also talking about going to shul and saying prayer and community. So that's another thing. And that's also like a powerful way that we get comfort. And one thing that we get from the shul side of things is like the regularity of it, mm-hmm. you know, because I think 
to sustain our work in this area, like we have to make a regular practice of getting comfort and getting that sense of awe. Mm-hmm. And also there's like the aspect of community that we can get from shul, right? So that's also strengthening and comforting. So if we are able to combine it all together, that like regular practice, the community, the awe of nature, the connection to nature, like that could be very that, powerful. Yeah. That could be that could be a really powerful thing and potentially both help heal some of that brokenheartedness but also help us work towards a world where the heavens are covered with clouds when they're supposed to be um, and enough rain is provided for the earth. Right. The mountains are putting forth grass and this verdant nature is around us. I'm Rabbi Paula Rose, the Associate Rabbi of Congregation Beth Shalom in Seattle. This podcast is a project of Congregation Beth Shalom and Ahavat Ve'avodat Adama, our community's environmental group. Choni's Circle was recorded in Seattle, Washington at Full Track Productions. It was produced by Tamara Labicki and Dave Dintenfass. With original music by Ella Labicki Feldman. Thanks for listening and learning with us.